0: So, Welcome to Sync, a show where we talk about songs and scores in music and wow, Welcome to Sync, where we talk about um, music in film and television, and the people who put it there, and what it means, and why it's important. My name is Emma, as you likely know. I don't know if I'll include that in the recording, we'll see what happens. Um, but I am very rusty, because I haven't been doing a show for two months. Um, my old uh, explanation of that. I have had school, and I don't want to put out shows that I don't, like, fully put myself into. I feel like that's not only kind of irresponsible, but just, like, a waste of everyone's time. Also, like, overall, it kind of reduces the quality and the importance of the show. Um, So I just wanted to make it... I wanted it to be good, so I didn't want to, like, put out bad content. So that's why I'm here. Uh, Two months... After my last show. Almost to the date, if not... mm, I don't think... I think mm, it might have been to the date. Who knows? But I am back. Hello. Thank you for being here. Um, Today we're going to talk about Hallmark movies. Now, I use the term Hallmark very loosely. Because Hallmark movies have gone from... Sort of... Okay, I... Seriously... Sorry. Streamlabs can literally go away. I truly have i sorry i'm not going to restart the show because but i deleted that bot so you can just get out of here um but no hallmark has sort of hallmark has strayed from being like legitimate like movies on hallmark channel to more of a broader terminology for films that are sort of cheesy holiday movies so You can find Hallmark movies that aren't Hallmark movies on Lifetime, on Netflix, on Hulu, on HBO Max. You can find them everywhere. And it has absolutely become its own genre. I will stand on that hill. I will die on that hill. And it feels very cultural- it feels important to mention its cultural impact simply because- I don't really think there's anything else like it and I was looking and obviously there were holiday TV specials and there were holiday films that were played during the the holidays on networks but there wasn't really a sort of more larger umbrella term for this genre and I personally and a lot of people I know just refer to it like them as Hallmark movies because Hallmark created this atmosphere of very cheesy very digestible consistently created and like uh, uh broadcasted content that isn't typically it's very it's, it's a hard thing to sort of achieve because you can only air these films through a specific period of time and currently there's a hallmark uh so it's called the countdown to christmas which is how this all started it started in 2009 and basically, as of 2020, it's from October to January. So that's a pretty long period of time, but you're pouring a lot of money into a set um, genre that can't be broadcasted all year. So it's kind of risky, if you think about it, to put all of this time and effort and energy and money into a specific genre that is is exclusive to those months. You can't do like that forever, so... It's an interesting business model, but clearly it's been very successful. Now, just disclaimer part 8. I have not seen any Hallmark movies this year. I have seen a lot of Hallmark-esque movies this year, but also I have like this personal thing where I don't personally enjoy beginning my like holiday mental state until after Thanksgiving because if I begin it like in like earlier in November, I will be completely burnt out by Christmas and just hate Christmas things, so I don't enjoy that. But I sort of broke that this year. I started on Tuesday, Monday, maybe, maybe last, maybe last weekend. I don't. It was last weekend. I lied. Um, but I started listening to holiday music like Sunday, Monday, and um, it is. <laughs> it was a good choice. So this year, I've seen three Netflix originals. I've seen a Hulu original and I've watched a couple of older ones. And personally, I know there are people out there who watch holiday films like throughout the year. Um, shout out to one of my friends who I don't think is listening but has popped in from time to time and has absolutely without a doubt spoken to me in July and been like, yeah, I'm watching uh, Love Actually and I just adore that. I'm, I'm streaming Nat King Cole's Christmas album, absolutely iconic. We love to see it. so. But as I was saying before, as a network, that's not really, like, what you should be relying on for, like, a full year of profit. And so, to—I'm I'm curious, and I couldn't find any proper information about this, but I'm curious as to how much money is uh, budgeted for Hallmark—in Hallmark's, like, business model specifically for the holiday season, for the production of these films— I believe from my research, which I'm gonna pull up again just so I don't get the numbers wrong, Hallmark started out with twelve originals. Um, or no, sorry. Uh, by 2013, they had twelve original movies. This is kind of unclear as to whether or not that those twelve were created in that year. I personally believe they're like they were. Um, yeah, and then 21 in 2016. And then, uh, during the 2017 holiday season, the Hallmark Channel premiered 33 original Christmas holiday films, up from a total of 28 holiday movies in 2016. So, as of now, Hallmark has a total of 136 Christmas holiday-themed movies in their original library of films. So, that's unbelievable that is so many films and if you think about it you have a network like netflix who can pump out a lot of content really quickly because a you can understand that netflix is a huge corporation with a lot of money and obviously hallmark is too but there's sort of a um it's the popularity of netflix in my opinion is um a lot more it uh, I guess um, it functions year round in a way that Hallmark potentially doesn't because I don't really know. There are certain age brackets, in my opinion, that like won't turn on Hallmark movies in like April. Like that's just not really unless you're. I think Golden Girls is still on Hallmark. Hallmark. I'm not totally sure. Which like I would love to see. Like that sounds wonderful. But um, yeah, it it gives Netflix this budgeting situation that you can make all these holiday movies plus that has a replay value to it so I can go on in July and watch Christmas Inheritance if I really want to but the TLDR is that Hallmark created this environment in a very lasting sense of creating these original holiday films creating a lot of them and setting this tone of cheesy digestible holiday content that is easy to watch family friendly always results in a happy ending has a very cookie cutter template storyline that can like literally be recreated thousands of times and people don't get that bored with it because they understand the ending that's not the 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 motivation for watching the films is not to like be in the suspenseful moment and like not know the ending typically if you've seen a hallmark movie as my father used to say, you've seen one Hallmark movie, you've seen them all. So, typically, you understand what's going on. So there's enough narrative engagement where you're like going to keep watching, but you understand as a human being that your 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 engagement is not for an end product, but for the means. So, I don't know. They they're they're pretty great about that. And as I said before, there've obviously been thousands of holiday movies that came before and I believe next week I'm already planning the show but next week I think I want to do my show about tv specials because that is another huge part of the holidays and there are thousands of tv specials and I love them I will watch 30 Rock which is not my favorite show for the, t- the uh, holiday specials I think they're amazing Doctor Who has great ones like just they're a very another very specific genre but Yeah, Hallmark, in my opinion, created this larger cultural phenomenon around creating Christmas, specifically for Hallmark, but holiday exclusive content that uh, drives a lot of the network's revenue from what I know, despite the fact that I don't have exact numbers, but from just general knowledge that I found on the internet. But yeah, uh, another thing about Hallmark Films, and I'm going to get into music, I promise, I just want to set the scene of repetition and also um, budgeting and also a sort of thematic overview so hallmark tends to use a lot of repetitive actors and also a lot of repetitive musical qualities so along with the tone of these sort of cheesy narratives you have these actors who will appear in like numerous hallmark films and then they'll maybe go to netflix where they do a hallmark-esque film at Netflix. So there's sort of a comforting understanding of sort of rom-com actors who nostalgically remind you of holiday films because you've seen them in other holiday films. So it's a great repeat job if you're into that. Um, And with the same sort of vibe is having repeat artists. So Hallmark itself has actually released a couple of albums, which to me is absolutely fascinating. The fact that they're releasing albums like they have a christmas album that is like i think almost covers but it has like blake shelton it has gwen stefani like it has fairly popular individuals now i've actually never seen a hallmark film that has used a lot of popular individuals in its actual soundtrack a lot of it has been instrumentals or it's been um like i i uh, rather unknown artists singing covers of popular songs And another thing I'll say, and this is more of a licensing thing, so I have some knowledge, but I am obviously not an expert at all, but a lot of Christmas songs, specifically older ones, and specifically cultural association songs, like, are older. So they are either hymns, or they are older uh, compositions, or they are things essentially where their copyright has expired. So if you're going to sing a Burl Ives song, that is probably going to be a lot harder to acquire the rights to and more expensive to acquire the rights to than an Aria from the late 1800s. you know. So if you're trying to sing, I think, I think oh Christmas tree because it comes from O Tannenbaum, which is an older like historical, cultural, culturally important song, that is an easier rights issue than trying to do like all i want for christmas is you which sounds like in my personal opinion the most expensive and stressful song to ever acquire, with the exception of maybe do they know it's christmas time which appears at the end of daddy's home 2 which is the best holiday film of all time and that's all i have to say about that because this is not a show about daddy's home 2 because daddy's home 2 is not a hallmark film and i and once again i will these are these are points that i thoroughly stand by So if you take a film like Daddy's Home 2, it doesn't really fit that narrative because Hallmark films have a very set setting. But if you look at Netflix films like The Princess Switch and Christmas Prince and you look at Hulu films like Happiest Season, they have this romantic storyline and this nostalgic physical setting of the like small little house or the upstate town, like upstate New York little town that's all Christmas themed or like they're very quaint. And Daddy's Home is not quaint. So I feel like that's, you know, that's a very... You, you see a lot of Christmas films that are not quaint. And to me, I would not classify those as Hallmark films or Hallmark-esque films. But yeah, looking at the soundtrack, there are... Or the soundtracks, there are a lot of instrumental covers of existing films. Or of, of existing music. So whether or not that is a um, song that is... Sort of in the public domain where their copyright has expired or whether or not that's a newer, more modern song, meaning that like 1920 forward, unless you have some magical human being uh, re-confirming the copyright, which is like unlikely, you have, you know, that is a very valuable asset of these films is its instrumental background because it sets the scene for this quaint environment. So again, you could have All I Want for Christmas is You, but it's a very upbeat, very happy song despite its expensive nature. I'm, again, this is just an assumption, but like it's Mariah Carey, let's not lie. So you have this very upbeat song, but if they put uh, somebody hired a pianist to uh sort of do a cover, a, a piano cover of all I Want For Christmas Is You, that could easily be used in a Hallmark film because it has this very quaint setting. It has this very quiet and uh, it, it's easy to be background as opposed to having the whole scene focus around a song. And this is another licensing thing. So once again, tricky, but this is like something I was taught in school. If a whole scene is fo- uh, focused on a song, that song A, it will probably be more expensive and or b has a lot more screen time so therefore it is more expensive and c uh it has like uh, when you license a song you have to tell the label like what is occurring so if you have all these things occurring it might actually be harder to get the song because if somebody doesn't like one thing that's occurring during that scene they may not like agree to the song use so It's just an interesting thing. So I don't see a lot of Hallmark films where there are montages of songs around uh, or scenes centered around a song. Like if you think about Elf, you have all of these montages where they're centered around songs. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to remember a song. Uh, that's what Christmas means to me li- my love like there's a whole montage set around that there's a singing scene where uh uh De Deschanel and Will Ferrell are singing Baby It's Cold Outside together like there are a lot of things that are expensive because you have to pay to re-record them or you have to you use a large part of the song and Hallmark doesn't do that which doesn't detract from it, like the sort of sonic landscape, which is my favorite term in the entire world. I will say that anywhere, but it is an incredibly uh, useful technique. And it's also a cheap technique from once again, what I know now, obviously that is not an end all be all comment. There are definitely uh, things where I've seen specifically uh, films where I've seen there be like in like these very like popular songs where I'm just I can't watch anything without thinking about how expensive the music is, which is just a toxic trait. But also that's like where my brain is, so I'll be watching like a very cheesy movie. Um, and I've also noticed that Netflix and Hulu and HBO movies and even Lifetime will spend or they will they will have more popular songs and more of these montage songs, although there aren't as many as in films like Elf like, that stray from this quaint Hallmark aesthetic, they will have these, like, more popular songs in them, and I do believe that is a budgeting situation. I would be very curious to know the average budget for a Hallmark film for the music, because a lot of them are instrumental, like, a lot of the score and, and, or not even score, but a lot of the sonic landscape is instrumental. Now, the other side of that, that sort of, that uh when I'm referring to things that are not existing songs, existing masters that are very popular that people can easily recognize, like Nat King Cole's the Christmas song. Everybody knows that. But when I'm talking about things that are not recognizable, you have instrumental versions of things which people might recognize, but they're often underscore so it's not like as recognizable and it's not typically set like it's not setting the scene for a montage as much as like if you're gonna spend money on a song, like I personally would spend money on a song for a montage because it becomes the main point of that series of that scene of that sequence. What am I saying? Um, but the other side of having these instrumental covers is having these original written pieces by smaller artists that are, and I this is not a detraction from the artist's work or the producers or anybody else, but they are cheesy. They are very cheesy. They take a lot of elements from Christmas songs that are incredibly um, uh, recognizable, so they'll talk about decorating the tree, sitting by the fire, like, the snow is, like, cold, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're very typical elements of any Christmas song. And I'm talking Christmas specifically because I have not seen that many Hallmark films that are not centered around Christmas. Like, they're not, in my opinion, holiday films as much as Christmas films, and that is another discussion about sociocultural ideas of religion and popular religion and catering to an audience, but we'll 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 set that aside and save it for a dinner or text conversation because that is a conversation I would like to have, but it strays from the theme of the show too much. But it is interesting. But in my opinion, it has this incredibly smart ideology behind it of we can create a Christmas song. There's clearly, as our narratives say, like as our narratives emphasize, it is effective to use a template. It is effective. People will watch it. And with Christmas music, a lot of Hallmark movies have understood that tech, uh, uh, understood that technique in creating sort of cookie cutter content, both narratively but also musically. So the people that are hired to um, compose or sing these songs are understanding the elements of Christmas music that make it nostalgic, that allow it to set this quaint scene, and allow it to sort of uh, follow the template that the film itself follows, if that makes sense. So. A lot of times, the from what I've seen, the songs will specifically refer to the scene that is, like, occurring, which, again, in my opinion, is sort of a double-edged sword, because if it's too on the nose, that can be kind of like, well, okay, like, whatever. But Hallmark films kind of get more leniency in my brain, because the whole thing is too on the nose. Like, it's really hard to mess up a Hallmark movie, in my opinion. Also, most of the time I'm saying Hallmark film, I'm talking about these quaint holiday films, not just ones on the Hallmark channel, but as I said before, it has become a term for a larger genre and a larger mode of filmmaking, but, and budgeting, really, and budgeting. It's so fascinating to me. It makes, like, so much sense from no sense. Like, why would you spend all your budget on, like, two months of content that is not rewatchable, but yet you have... I don't know, there was, there was a statistic that was, like, for one, like, uh, countdown to Christmas, there were 80 million people who watched within the span of, like, a week. That's wild. Like, Hallmark is accessible. Hallmark is, like, accessible both, like, on your television and in terms of consuming the content. Like, a lot of these themes are themes that people can relate to. So, things like family, nostalgia, Christmas spirit, whatever that means... Like, they're very relatable themes in terms of sort of setting the scene for what this time is supposed to feel like. So it's supposed to feel like you're, like, home for the holidays. You are exploring, maybe you're unpacking your childhood, which, you know, has pros and cons. But you are creating this sense of familial, comfort, quaint, safety, and just general overall feel-good vibes if that makes sense. So the music itself follows that same formula of talking pretty explicitly, in my opinion, about those things because they understand that A, not only is that the entire point of the film, but that is something that is so digestible and that in doing that, you don't have to license more recognizable songs unless it's incredibly important to the scene because A, a lot of like, the writing in general is not centered around music. Like, there are are very few montages, etc. Sometimes there will be, like, a dance scene at a ball or whatever, but that's typically instrumental. So, A, they're not super centered around songs, but also, B, they effectively work the exact same way, where they're, like, saying, Hi, I'm, you know, going to talk about... Like, if you think about the Christmas song by Nat King Cole, like, it has very specific um things that it mentioned so it's like i'm gonna talk about love and i'm gonna talk about you know chestnuts roasting by the open fire or on the open fire like jack frost nipping at your nose like carols and like folks like never mind there's like a slur in that but, well, like, people are, people are, like, dressed up. Like, it's, it's cold outside. Like, there are these themes that work. And you don't have to sit and license incredibly popular, expensive music because you have the same elements that work in these, like, made-for-TV songs. So why not use them? Like, it makes sense. So, again, it's incredibly effective. Uh, I've understood sort of as this goes along that this model of both narrative repetition and musical uh, lyric represent lyrical repetition is used in Hulu and Netflix as much. Like my favorite holiday film I've watched, like in the past few years that has like come out, like it's well, it's Daddy's Home is my favorite holiday film of all time. But I guess in the Hallmark quaint genre has been Christmas Inheritance on Netflix. Now this film is not good. There are very few holiday films that, in my opinion, are good. But this is one of the most enjoyable pleasant experiences i've ever had because not only does it have this hallmark element but it ha it talks about a lot of really serious things sort of concealed underneath it and the music doesn't really shy away from uh talking about that if that makes sense like it's not gonna put um how do i say this properly on in a hallmark movie specifically That will typically be brushed over with some sort of sentimental either score or instrumental cover of a popular Christmas song or some cover or some some uh, uh, instrumental interpretation of sort of a public domain holiday and or holiday song and or hymn. But with Christmas Inheritance, it uses score, original score, very effectively in sort of creating these darker moments, um, which are As, once again, it is a Hallmark-Quaint film. It Well, it's a Netflix Hallmark-Quaint film. It allows for a little bit of resolution, but it still keeps it calm. You know, it doesn't stray. There's an element of calm demeanor to a lot of these films. And while there's still drama, it remains calm because nobody wants to be stressed out during christmas christmas is already stressful enough if i'm gonna sit down and watch a holiday film i don't want to be like weeping by the end of it now i watched happiest season on wednesday and i like wept through that entire film now i wept for different reasons but that film did a very good job at like talking about really dark things and that's not for everyone like i would still classify it as a hallmark christmas film specifically because of its sort of happy ending nature and like family and like even the traditions that come out of it but it takes the hallmark quaint genre and kind of flips it on his head when it's like okay when this is a non-traditional holiday how do you deal with traditional holiday things so the music in that film worked very effectively and there were a couple of more popular holiday songs and a lot of instrumental covers of songs um I don't really know what else to call it like instrumental interpretations um like I don't know covers feels like the wrong word because a lot of them are in the public domain but like I don't know uh, uh masters of public domain Christmas songs done by instrument like pl- pe- people who play instruments well I don't know <laughs> but it tracks very pleasantly to me because it in general doesn't use music as a cover for like bad behavior or uncomfortable situations in terms of trying to create this sort of toxically positive or like toxic positivity I guess but that's the wrong verb tense or adjective I don't know whatever it's the wrong tense but um this there's a very some Hallmark and Hallmark-esque films do create this sort of toxic positivity environment where it's like everything's gonna be okay and it's like one of the characters is clearly deeply traumatized. Um And a lot of the time the music doesn't help with that. Like it is, there's like an, there's typically a scene that's like really sad and there's some like nostalgic score behind it or like really emotionally moving music and then there's never any resolution of that sadness and the music doesn't create, there's no like leitmotif which is like, um, Lyrical or sonic, uh, uh, I guess motif um, that like links to characters or settings or, um, sort of more general themes of a film or piece of media. There's not really that much of it in like Hallmark genres. The only sort of larger late motif, I guess, I'd associate with it are these uh, elements of lyrics that are exclusively taken from Christmas holiday themed music chestnuts roasting on an open fire type of vibes that are then used but that's not like directly associated with the film unless it is literally explicitly talking about what's occurring in the scene it's not as i don't think i'd classify it as a leitmotif, but anyway i digress a bit i feel a bit as though how do i say this properly as though um I don't want to be, like, mean. I think that Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max, which, by the way, both HBO Max and Disney Plus, like, premiered with an Anna Kendrick cheesy piece of media, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Like, if you... Disney Plus premiered with Anna Kendrick and Noelle, which is another phenomenal movie which fits in this genre, and then with Love Life, the series, in May... And just phenomenal. Like, Anna Kendrick as a rom-com actress, we love to see it. But, again, I digress. Like, having these... My god, where was I? No! Sorry. Shoot. I don't know. Oh, HBO Max and Disney Plus and streaming services, which have, once again, repeat value, and probably a larger budget, and maybe a larger customer base... like based on the repeat value, or I guess viewer count based on the repeat value, which is kind of, cause I don't, I don't know, I don't really know what the term for that like re rewatch value, but like, cause it's not repeat airing, it's not re airing, it's not, I don't know. Anyway, it's a restream, I whatever. But they have that value. They tend to take a lot more narrative risks with the storyline. Like they tend to talk about. I don't want to say darker things, but they don't attempt to create as happy and as uh, feel good of an environment throughout the entire film that Hallmark films do. So Hallmark films will, (laughs) they will be like, oh, like, oh, like you're in love with someone else. You cheated on your husband. Like, chill. Your husband's fine with that. And we're going to play like a sad but also nostalgic song over it and like maybe you'll still get custody of the kids you know what i mean like that type of thing but in like a netflix movie that would be like they're getting divorced during the holidays oh so stressful let me play some sad music but also like make it dichotomous with playing maybe maybe the main character is listening to really happy song in a mall that Netflix paid way too much money for because then it's recognizable and then it becomes an insular or an integral part of the scene so because like maybe this character is hearing this happy song and then is like oh well I can't I guess uh be happy in this moment because I have to divorce my husband and might not get the custody of the kids I am absolutely talking about an explicit scene right now but it's you know there's no attempt to brush over that therefore the musical choices in like netflix and hulu i'm just using netflix and hulu films because those are the ones i've seen recently they tend to be a lot more um i guess as i said before expensive but also they have more of a darker tone than a lot of the feel-good hallmark films once again that doesn't detract from the value of these hallmark Hallmark films because like yeah there are days where i'm just like i really just want to watch like this white couple go to the mountains and bake and work through their marital problems and like end up in a positive way at the end and like i don't know maybe one of them is like finds out that they're pregnant in the middle of the you know what i mean like i just want this like mild conflict that is easily resolvable as opposed to like oh my god, like, I'm looking for my lost father, like, I cheated on, like, my spouse, like, it's just a lot. So, I, I don't know, it's just very different, um, but that, without a doubt, informs the musical choices of each film, which is cool. Um, I'm sort of at a resting point, and I have to, like, (laughs) drink some water, uh, so if anybody has any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns please feel free to put them in chat I have enjoyed this so much and once again I'm a little rusty because it's been two months so horrifying um but yeah I'm gonna do like a little 30 second break and I'll be back please put things in the comments or in the chat I'm I am I am vibing right now so yeah give me a hot second All right, I'm back. I hope you can hear me. <laughs> I, I love the time that it was like, oh, yeah, your microphone is still on. And then y'all missed like 20 minutes of me speaking because it was just quiet because my microphone actually had not turned back on despite it being like, yes, this is visible. Yes, this is functioning. So I hope it's working. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I did want to note that I wrote this down earlier, but forgot to mention both hallmark and lifetime are premiering a new film right now and they are trending at like numbers five and seven on twitter so clearly there's mass public interest for this type of thing when happiest season came out it was trending when the princess switch 2 which came out i think last week uh was trending i think last friday or came yeah came out it was trending like i remember when the christmas prince came out Nobody could shut up about that movie. Like, nobody would stop talking about it. And I'm like, once again, these are not, like, beautiful pieces of cinema. We're not talking about Tenet, which is an incredible film. Like, that is understand- Like, it's not- And I'm not saying that they don't deserve the hype, but there's clearly a large cultural value to these films because they create this nostalgia and they create- Not- Like, uh uh-huh. Because they create this nostalgia and also because they create- this sense of like warm family, happy escapism type of moment where you can handle that. Now, I also think that in this nostalgia, there's sort of a meta context to it. Can you all hear me? Can I'm now scared that nobody can hear me because I'm talk I'm talking about points. Give me a hot second. Let me. You're gonna hear me on my own phone, which is just like really sus, but whatever. Hold on sorry but da I'm here you can hear me speak can you not hello okay I'm fine um, I'm sorry sorry I'm I literally I live in fear of not being able to be heard just in general so whatever but as I was saying before there's this type of meta context to Hallmark films thank you to Hallmark films and Hallmark quaint content where it's sort of like it creates its own nostalgia for these same films so not only do the films themselves create this nostalgia but then the larger larger cultural context is saying oh I'm now nostalgic for this Hallmark film so it's pretty cool I it's a very once again it's an effective m- business model and while i have never sat down and been like i really want to listen to the soundtrack to like this random christmas film i watched one time when i was really depressed and i wanted to like feel better like i i i i don't i don't know i just there there's still an element to the soundtrack to me that holds this nostalgia like i'll hear some random christmas song and be like oh yeah that was an elf but that was also in this other random hallmark christmas movie i was an instrumental cover when they were like super emotional because like somebody had just kissed someone else and it was this big revelation about true love like there's still that deep association like associate there's still that deep association with the music that is actually very beautiful and once again it just shows how effective it is that Maybe you don't have to pay for All I Want for Christmas is You, but you can still create this emotional attachment to the music because you're creating this emotional attachment to the film itself. And within the film itself, it utilizes music in a very specific way. And as I said before, there is a difference between Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies, and Netflix streaming platform, and even even Lifetime. Although Lifetime kind of falls somewhere in the middle Like, streaming platform originals, which tend to splurge for larger songs. Um, But it does... I'm not saying that streaming services, like, are wasting their money by paying for larger songs. But it's an effective model where you can get music at a smaller cost and still have it create the same power that other things have. And I don't know. It's just... It's really cool to me. So... I'm going to wrap up in a second here, but I kind of want to drop some recommendations. <laughs> so, if anyone has any recommendations in chat, let me know. Um, Netflix has not that many Christmas films, but they're all pretty good. Would recommend. As I said before, Happiest Season. I think that is my favorite Christmas movie like that I've watched for a long time. I know I said it was... Uh, uh, uh christmas inheritance but i watched christmas inheritance earlier in the week than i watched happiest season and if i cry at a movie i know it's good so or if it's not like i I should say i it's not masterful but it is pretty masterful for the genre i have to say and it's very clever um there are like you could literally turn on the hallmark channel and watch any film and i would be like yes this is probably good there are a couple where i'm like this is so boring i'm not gonna lie i don't remember the names of them like the ones i don't like at the time but like um yeah it's just very it's just very cool and like i want to shout out the first hallmark film which was oh my god it's called like the christmas i'm gonna scream What is wrong with me? I have seen this film. There are so many Hallmark. Okay, it's called One Christmas Eve. So, if you want to, like, go back to where it all started, you can go watch One Christmas Eve. It's really kind of hard to find Hallmark movies to stream, which is... I actually wrote a paper about this last week, uh, speaking about PBS. Maybe it was two weeks ago. But in speaking about PBS, I was saying that, like, because PBS doesn't have like an accessible and sort of good streaming service and because a lot of sesame street work or sesame workshops sold out to hbo like it's really hard to find repeat content which is like the entire point of pbs which I'll, I'll do a whole show on this because i find it fascinating but like the whole point of pbs is to be accessible and to be educational and to like not have that easily like available to individuals who have adjusted their media consumption for a streaming world seems kind of pointless and like not effective to me and sort of undermines the entire point specifically selling out to HBO that sucks in my brain um but whatever and I think Hallmark Channel kind of does the same thing where there is it's really hard to find like Hallmark films to watch again you kind of have to hunt for them you can do it but it's re- they're really hard to find so it requires for you to have a television and to be um, have like a subscription whatever to spectrum or whatever your tv provider is and like be able to watch them and there a lot of them are restricted to airtime like it has a very traditional cable format now Hallmark has two channels one is like a movies channel and one is a normal channel so you can watch there are two options at any time slot but it still doesn't have the power of streaming services with its repeat value and its, like, uh, sort of plethora of choices, which it has pros and cons. But with Christmas films specifically, I think that Hallmark can kind of get away with not having a plethora of, <laughs> of options at any given time. And once again, this is not a dig, but I think because of a lot of them are kind of the same you can just put one on and like engage with it as opposed to like Netflix they all have very 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 different premises and very different vibes they're all quaint and they're all like kind of the same happy ending but like sometimes I don't want to watch about like someone having to go through their divorce in the middle of the holiday season like that's not really the vibe so yeah it's an interesting uh situation and I just kind of want to close out with that and i also want to close out with some some fun uh facts about the countdown to christmas so essentially in 2018 and i don't know if this still occurred like or still occurs um but i think it's kind of fascinating they partnered with sirius xm to launch hallmark channel radio which i it's so cool So it's both a music channel and a commentary interview channel. So they have music or they had music. And I believe it was more of, oh, let me uh, watch or let me like these are classical Christmas songs as opposed to like original content from their films. And it was then they would like interview people who produced or acted in their Christmas films, which is so cool and so smart to me. And then, uh, it's, it's very, (laughs) then I have mixed opinions on this. Last year, from what I remember, they aired Christmas movies the entire year on Fridays. Which sort of starts to resolve the, uh, repeat value issue that I talked about before. But, like, them re-airing all these things... Allows them to compete with Netflix and that kind of thing a little bit more. I don't know if they're doing that this year. I have not checked. Um, But it was also partially, I believe, to celebrate the 10th anniversary. And my last favorite fact. My last favorite fact is that Hallmark's Christmas TV rating system has designations like F for family and J for joy. So it has an interesting... um, an interesting uh business model of taking away any restrictions on uh ability to watch so like you can watch this with your seven-year-old but it also tells you a little bit about like what's going on like i don't know if there's like i don't know t for trauma but like because it's hallmark but you get the point like it's just like fun it's it's just nice it's just nice it has the chestnuts roasting on an open fire not only narrative not only musical lyrical storyline but general overall feeling as well of family and comfort and safety and home and the intelligence behind how to effectively create a musical environment in terms of maybe limited budget or you know producing 33 original films in one year like there's that's a lot of work so not only doing that But creating things that are effective in their template and remain, yet remain individual in their value and worth. So, I don't know. I really respect a lot of, I respect Hallmark so much for creating this genre. Like, I really fully believe they created this genre because of its cultural association with them. Now, did they actually create this layout and format? Absolutely not. There are there's a massive history of quaint, enjoyable, nostalgic Christmas movies. Like, le- are you kidding me? Like White Christmas, like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, It's a Wonderful Life. Like, absolutely not. They did not create the heartwarming Christmas movie, but they did create the larger cultural phenomenon of making those incredibly accessible, creating this cookie cutter template that works and creating a sort of level of nostalgia around those films that has remained to this day in a way that a lot of older films have not. Obviously, if I'm going to sit down and watch Miracle on 34th Street, I'm still going to have an emotional attachment to it, but there are a lot of films that were created in, like, the 20th century that I don't have an emotional attachment to simply because they're, like, haven't maybe had as much accessibility in this, but, like, Hallmark individual films don't really have that nostalgia. It exists for the genre and the channel and the larger cultural impact of that itself. So it's very interesting. It's an interesting business model that I really respect and I'm not again claiming them to be like the creators of this but there's no doubt in my mind that they popularized quaint holiday films as a larger business model as a larger way to um i guess emphasize how to create sort of an environment of this and they've created this very deep cultural association of quote hallmark movies that are these quaint predictable uh, any other type of and if they didn't have this like level of nostalgia and um sort of family aspirations and like feel good type of thing they would be so boring they'd be considered boring but because these storylines are centered around the holidays they work and they create their own nostalgia so that's my little spiel for today i hope you are all well i hope you are all resting as much as you can i know we're about to get into a time that is unbelievably wild and like very hard for a lot of people so i'm sending you all love and i hope that you can if you want tune into some like poorly made cheesy holiday film because you know they all make me feel good so if you want any recommendations feel free to shoot me a text but I love you all please take care of yourselves and have a great rest of your night